the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Time flying by. News Talk 710-KNUS. Open lines for the hour, 303-696-1971. Our telephone number, you can text in as well, on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town, if you wish to text in, please. So, look, there is... A lot going on right now with extremism in regards to pro-Hamas sentiment. We saw it, as we talked about early in the show, in the Colorado legislature with State Representative Elizabeth Epps, who spent 45 minutes on the floor in an anti-Semitic amendment that she was proposing lambasting Israel, talking about genocide and ethnic cleansing. And then afterwards, State Representative Ron Weinberg was allowed to go up and speak. And he gave a powerful speech about being a Jew in America today and the ignorance on display and so forth. And then Elizabeth Epps during that speech was up in the gallery where she was just beyond obnoxious. It was aggressive. It was hateful. It was bigoted. It was on display. You still haven't, the bill? You still haven't given the parameters. <laughs> what is latitude? Give us clear boundaries, Mr. Speaker Pro Tem. Like, this can you make sure we can you step away? The ways you have failed to shame us. That was Epps insisting that Mike Weissman, a Jewish Democrat member of the House, that he be asked to leave the gallery where she was holding court. And then, of course, there was this about Weinberg. It's not like water for anyone. I'm trying to pass this bill. Ah, Representative Weinberg, Jewish Republican, is a fascist. So we went over this in the beginning with more audio. I mean, it was beyond disturbing. It was, as I write yesterday in the Denver Gazette, uh, it was aggressive bigotry. And it was a complete affront as well to the sort of Rockwellian ideals of Thanksgiving. For more on that, check out my column. But... There are a few things that tie into what's happening that are worth mentioning. One is the disturbing growth in anti-Semitism, the surge in anti-Semitism and anti-Israeli sentiment on display by young people. And it is astonishing to see how much of it there really is. Uh, For example, yesterday, hundreds of protesters gathered on Black Friday in front of Tyson's Mall in Virginia to show support for Palestine 
and they reportedly caused traffic disruptions around the area. Just as another example, and it is all of these young people who are so far removed from the Holocaust, from genuine, actual genocide, and from terrible terrorism that we are seeing. I mean, what we are seeing is a growth in this among young people. And it is something striking because here's a piece from The Guardian. There's a big reason Joe Biden is losing younger voters, Israel and Palestine. And yes, The Guardian is in England, but Moira Donegan is a Guardian U.S. columnist. Seems like she's uh, more sympathetic to the Palestinian cause, as it were. But she notes this point, which is the pro-ceasefire camp in Congress looks more and more like the future of the Democratic Party. It is younger, it is further to the left, and it is majority non-white. And also notes that even within the party bureaucracy itself, there are signs of trouble. The State Department has fielded an unusual number of internal complaint memos about U.S. policy over the issue. Large numbers of Democratic congressional staffers, they tend to be on the younger side in their 20s and 30s, by the way, joined a Washington, D.C. protest calling for a ceasefire. So Biden has a problem from his left flank, and that problem is a lot of the younger people who... I mean, it's hard to know to what extent they have any clue of what's going on. They understand what's happening and they have any grasp of history. And to what extent it is genuinely in their hearts anti-Semitism on display. I mean, it is anti-Semitism. But to what extent are they aware of what they are espousing? So much of this, I talked with Rabbi Jonathan Hausman at a Stoughton, Massachusetts recently. He was pointing out so much of this is in essence, a lot of them choosing ideology over common decency. Some of these, uh, the, the Jewish supporters of a ceasefire and so forth are choosing ideology over their own Jewish heritage, over the history of their own Jewish people. It was... This was from uh, Thursday, the 16th. Very powerful interview. I encourage you to go check it out. Those are some of the sentiments that he had expressed. But it is disturbing. And it's ongoing. And it's only going to get worse unless the Democrats do anything to try and rein it in. But they can't. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They know they need at least the majority of the Democrats and the Biden leadership team know they have to support Israel but they're also in this political position of losing elements of their base which shows you where their base is and yet MSNBC isn't talking so much about the domestic violent extremism that we are seeing from pro-Hamas sentiment 
They are talking about domestic violent extremism on the right. But we heard Christopher Ray said that domestic violent extremism, biggest threat to the homeland, the latest DHS terrorism warning bulletin from May saying in the coming months, factors that could mobilize individuals to commit violence include their perceptions of the 2024 general election cycle and legislative or judicial decisions pertaining to socio-political issues. He is the one stoking fear. He is the one stoking violence around this country. And they're talking about Trump there. He, 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 Trump is the one. And ignoring, of course, the Hamas, pro-Hamas sentiment that is on the rise and deeply beyond disturbing. Well, former Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill then responded, taking it to the next level, saying, guess what? Uh, you know, those comparisons between Trump and Hitler and Mussolini. Well, 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 Trump is worse. A lot of people have tried to draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler and the use of the terminology like vermin and the, the, the drive that those men had towards autocracy and and dictatorship. The difference, though, I think makes Donald Trump even more dangerous, and that is he has no philosophy he believes in. He is not trying to expand the boundaries of the United States of America. He's not trying to overcome a neighboring country like Putin is in Ukraine. He is not going for some grandiose scheme of international dominance. All he wants is to look in the mirror and see a guy who's president. All he cares about is selfish self-promotion. That's the only philosophy he has, which makes him even more dangerous. What? What? Okay, yes, Trump is all about Trump. I will grant that. Way too much. It frustrates me. But to say that somehow Trump is more dangerous than Hitler and Mussolini... And and the reason why is because they had a strongly entrenched ideology. You better believe that if Trump had some kind of strongly entrenched ideology, they would be saying, oh, well, Trump is just like Mussolini and Hitler because he has this very strong ideology that he is hell-bent on pursuing no matter what it takes. Either way, they're going to say he's more dangerous than Hitler and Mussolini. But the idea that they pursued a an extraordinarily extremist ideology that we are now, by the way, seeing echoes of in the pro-Hamas sentiment. They're the ones who are bringing back Nazism, and we are seeing it in the streets or in the explicit protest cries of of the pro-Palestinian protesters who are literally saying things like, we don't want no Jewish state, and we want it all, literally, in NYU, or praising Hamas and glorifying a new uh, a UPenn student saying, well, uh, don't you remember those pictures? It made me feel so happy. That's the new Nazi sentiment. And yet that ideology isn't the one that's really the dangerous one. It is that Trump doesn't have an ideological underpinning. Makes no logical sense. It's just irrational. But the other thing that we are seeing there, the other thing that we are seeing there, or that makes it absurd, is the way that our system is set up does prevent that. 
does prevent that kind of dictatorship from rising with our three branches of government, the structure that we had. And oh, by the way, four years of Trump and we didn't have a dictatorship coming out of it. Now, I say this as a Trump critic. I don't want him to get the nomination. Certainly a lot of reason for folks to say they want somebody else like Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. But let's just be real here. This is out of control. Listener text, uh, this demagoguery is right out of the book of Cloward Piven. Blame the other side for exactly what you're doing. A lot of truth to that. But I look at this and I, and I listen to that and I think, what world are you living in? And, and how are you ignoring the genuine extremist sentiment and radicalism extraordinary rhetoric and what's happening, the, the potential for violence from pro sentiment. It is just extraordinary. 303-696-1971. What do you make of it? Is this just something they're going to persist in this kind of... Is it just going to get heightened worse and worse as we get closer into the primary? And if Trump gets the nomination, is that all we're going to hear about in a general election battle. And of course, they're trying to throw everything except the kitchen sink, Trump. That includes the 14th Amendment, which has failed to strike Trump out on three occasions this month, including right here in Colorado. And it was just ridiculous to hear Jenna Griswold also on MSNBC Say, oh, this just the, the the fact that Trump is still going to be on the ballot in Colorado is a get out of jail free card. The idea that any official who would engage in insurrection would be barred from taking office except the presidency is incredibly surprising. That basically means that the presidency is a get out of jail free card for insurrection. As someone who cares deeply about the state of our democracy, I find that very troubling. The American people need to know that the president, the person, if anybody, the person most in charge of protecting the Constitution actually has a duty to do so. So I'm right there with you. I I find uh, it very troubling that the president of the United States could engage in insurrection and unlike everybody else, could then be president again. Get out of jail free card for the Constitution to be abided. Although, as Jonathan Turley laid out last week in a post on his website, of course, Jonathan Turley, the professor at George Washington University. And for those of you who aren't familiar, of course, Jenna Griswold, if somehow you're not familiar, is the Secretary of State for Colorado. And Turley broke down several things from this decision from the judge, Judge Wallace, who rejected the use of the 14th Amendment, saying the court holds there is scant direct evidence regarding whether the president is one of the positions subject to disqualification. So she based it on that whole idea that, oh, the president can't be included among those who are disqualified per the 14th Amendment due to insurrection. And so they got to be the Trump has to be on the ballot. But the judge goes on to make some conclusions based on 
free speech principles that say, oh, but but actually we are going to assume, okay, Trump actually engaged in insurrection and gave aid and comfort to those who engaged in it by spreading election fraud claims and not immediately denouncing violence. And he goes on to explain a lot of legal analysis of how Trump's free speech, if he were to be convicted on grounds like this, it would probably be in terms of a free speech issue. Uh, would probably be defended on free speech for what happened on January 6th, and he goes into that and explaining that. But what he zeroes in on in one part is the conclusion that Trump, quote, incited imminent lawless violence and found that he was, in fact, engaging in insurrection and acted as though he was, in fact, Convicted of these things when he hasn't been convicted of any such thing. None of it's been a conviction. There hasn't been that. So the conclusion, oh, well, we're just going to unilaterally reach this determination and simply base the decision on why he should remain on the ballot on the 14th Amendment claim, it just doesn't fly. You, you can't, as a, as a judge, just say, oh, well, he's guilty of this when there's been no conviction. You can't draw that conclusion. That's not the case. That's not what you're, you're judging. You're judging the merits of whether or not Trump should be on the ballot in Colorado. It was a 102-page decision, went beyond what it should have entailed. 303-696-1971. Before we go to a break, let's go to Aaron in Denver. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Uh, the, 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 the judge's um, rhetoric on that bench was just asinine. Uh, you got an educated fool on the bench. As a judge, you're supposed to be fair and unbiased, but obviously this judge was definitely biased toward Trump. There was no insurrection Against Trump, yeah. uh, whatsoever. I mean, I... I I, I've, I I listened to the whole speech that Trump gave on January 5th, January 6th before he left uh, office. Had nothing, had no whatsoever about insurrection. That's all made up by the far loony left and the morons in the media who keep who keep pumping out this insurrection bull crap. Nothing like that. Sure. Ever, ever. Well, it's Aaron, all- I, I do want to just jump in and say this. I remember that day being extraordinarily disappointed and frustrated as heck in Trump not coming out sooner, condemning it, saying, hey, you need to stop this. But to call it an insurrection, I don't buy that language. It was a it was a protest that turned into a riot. And a riot is a riot. Left or right needs to be condemned resoundingly. And there are consequences that people who rioted are facing for that. Uh, but nevertheless, you're, you're right on that score. And, and for the judge to get into it, yeah, she was right on the analysis about the 14th Amendment, but then she went into this other territory to say, oh, well, he did this and that. We just can't disqualify him because he doesn't fit the 14th Amendment. Yeah, oh, it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, the judge should know better than that. But uh, we have a long history of judges that are on the benches and they're just complete educated fools. It's nothing new. You're, you're educated, but you're still an idiot. Uh, 
And then, you know, this insurrection crap just drives me up by the loony left. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, the summer 2020, uh, the violence of 2020 in the billions of dollars that was cost uh, using George Floyd's dead bones to justify that violence was just ridiculous. And sure. in this, in this Epstein, and you got this Epstein nut hmm. sprouting off that crap. Aaron, and, and people yeah, voted for I, that insanity. I feel your passion. We got to run to a break, but I appreciate the call as always, Aaron. Thanks for that. Uh, when we come back, your thoughts you want to add in on to this or Jenna Criswold saying Trump got a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card, and then Biden taking credit for Mideast peace and saying, well, this promise or this expectation of Mideast peace is why Hamas attacked, one of the reasons why Hamas attacked Israel when they did. There's actually some veracity to that. What's going on there? We'll talk about it on the other side. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk, 710 KNUS. 29 minutes before 9 o'clock, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you, little Eric Clapton bringing us back. From his album came out several years back, Happy Xmas. It's a tune called Every Day Will Be Like a Holiday. Best Christmas bumper music known to man. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. From Christmas classics to the blues and everything in between. By the way, I'll be in all this week from 3 to 4. So be sure to tune in 710 KNUS live and local in the afternoons 3 to 4. Uh, Jeff from Littleton. What I'd like to hear from you is every time the likes of Jenna Griswold mention our democracy, you should correctly state we are a constitutional republic. Not doing so allows Griswold's intentional lie to stand as the truth. Well, technically, constitutional republic is under the barometer of democracy. It's also known as a representative democracy. You're right, though. We are a constitutional republic. We have a representative form of government. However, I don't think that me, every time I hear Jenna Griswold in a clip that I play, say democracy, and I say, well, it's a constitutional republic, I don't see that you get much mileage out of that. I'll keep it in mind from time to time. It is a good reminder. We are a constitutional republic, a representative democracy, and the, but their and their project, by the way. So this really gets to your point, Jeff, and why why you you are raising a good issue here. The problem with just saying democracy is that it allows that room for the continual undermining of the Republican small R Republican form of government. We saw it with the 17th Amendment to the Constitution that provided a requirement for the direct election of senators, where now the U.S. senators are not representing the states as sort of semi-sovereign entities within the republic, but instead they're representing the people, and so they are trying to placate and appeal to the passions of the people, and they're not defending the interests of their state. They're sort of like glorified representatives in a sense. They just have six-year terms. And there are fewer of them. There are two per state. Then you also have the attempt now by the likes of Griswold and others. They would love to see the elimination of the Electoral College. So that then it just comes down to a popular vote, so-called. We don't really have a popular vote. 
doesn't actually exist, but they want to have a basis where they pull from that as opposed to what we have seen with regards to the Electoral College since 1789. So you raise you raise a good point, Jeff. I will I will give you that, although I don't know that every time she says democracy, I'll I'll bring that up. Stephen Littleton. Thanks for covering the judge's somewhat tortured, I think contorted is a good word too, but ultimately correct decision regarding Trump on the ballot. A window into the mindset of another impartial Colorado judge. Yes, fair enough indeed, Steve in Littleton. You know, Joe Biden yesterday gave a press conference where he talked about the release of hostages, 13 Israelis, 11 others from their imprisonment, their capture by Hamas. 10 Thai nationals and 13 Israelis were released, including children as young as two. Aviv Asher, two years old. Raz Asher, four years old. Amelia Aloni, five years old. Ohad Munder, nine years old. Young kids who, for almost two full months, have been held in captivity by Hamas. And yet we have these protesters going out there and they're throwing around red paint as blood, talking about genocide and ethnic cleansing by Israel. And Israel's not the one that is intentionally kidnapping and slaughtering little babies, little children. And it is astonishing with the protests. Now, there is a question about whether Israel has the uh, real benefit here, or is uh, is it the case yet again that Israel somehow is... um, getting the lower end of the stick when it comes to the trade because 150 Palestinian prisoners are being released for 50 Hamas captives. Britt Hume had something to say about that on Fox. Well, in purely military terms, Mike, this is not a good deal. Um, 50 hostages in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners uh, plus a much-wanted ceasefire as far as Hamas is concerned. Not a good deal. But listen, Israel has a long history of going to extraordinary lengths to get its people back, captive uh, Israeli citizens. Uh, And they have made deals far more unequal than this in the past. So this is what they do, and it is deeply embedded in Israeli tradition. So I don't think that the political leadership or even the war cabinet in Israel felt it had much of a choice than to try to do this. But it does open the door to the possibility that further ceasefires, which are not militarily desirable when you're trying to when you're trying to completely eliminate an enemy, um, uh, would be would be put in place to get more of them back, to get more of the prisoners back. And there are, as you've mentioned, many more. And in addition to that, of course, you can make a pretty good case that this shows the power of hostage taking and the leverage that it that it affords an enemy, particularly an enemy of Israel. Mm. So it remains to be seen whether even though Mm. it was probably traditionally dictated, uh, this turns out to be a a good deal. Uh, We will see. I think Israel has promised uh, an extra 10 prisoners or uh, an extra day for every 10 
Hamas hostages that are released. By the way, as well, Yafa Yafa Adar, 85, was among those released. And I read that she was a survivor of the Holocaust, born 1938. A survivor of the Holocaust, and now she's a survivor of Hamas. Two brutal evils. Now, Joe Biden, though, in this press conference yesterday, said something rather interesting, and there was a lot of chatter on social media after he said it, and understandably so, because he didn't acknowledge the Abraham Accords of Trump, but there's a little bit of truth in what he had to say. I cannot prove what I'm about to say, but I believe one of the reasons why Hamas struck when they did was they knew that I was working very closely with the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. Now, he didn't acknowledge the historic Abraham Accords of the Trump administration. Of course, Trump, as I've said, time and time again, should have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize, but of course he never would. However, there is some truth to what Biden said. Now, on this program, on October 7th, we were live and local when the news broke about or was really starting to spread about the attacks by Hamas on Israel. And I said on this program, look, there was just chatter in the last couple of days about a defense pact between Saudi Arabia and Israel that would tie in or Saudi Arabia and the United States that would tie in with Saudi Arabia recognizing Israel. And then the next day, what happens? Hamas does their attack. And then that derailed it. Now, that's not the only reason for the timing. That's not the only reason for the attack. But I think there's veracity, and I said it on the program at the time on October 7th, to that claim that Hamas was in part, especially as a proxy for Iran, which doesn't want that peace to be expanded, did the attack on October 7th in part to derail that progress. Because then Saudi Arabia and the other Arab countries were put into a corner and even deeper and deeper into that corner now as this war has persisted. Where it's like, okay, who are you aligning with? Are you really aligning with Israel when we have Muslims that are being killed in Gaza by Israel's continued war? So who knows when it'll happen? If they get the talks again, but they're derailed for the time being. So he didn't acknowledge Trump laying all the groundwork significant with a number of countries who signed on to the Abraham Accords. Saudi Arabia being the big dog among the Gulf Arab countries was definitely signed off on UAE, United Arab Emirates, Morocco, others that signed on to this Abraham Accord pact. They clearly gave the okay. Like that had to happen. So they were already on the move because of the progress of Trump. So that's true. It also is the case that Biden was working to build on that as best he could more and more, recognizing still that there is unified concern about Iran on the whole. That's why when Saudi Arabia, the the, the crown prince Mohammed bin Salman, met with the president of Iran, They had some things in public that were said, but reports behind the scenes show they're not buddy-buddy. It actually wasn't them aligning. There was consternation. Saudi Arabia didn't agree to some things that Iran wanted vis-a-vis the United States and so forth. So this is a, 
is notable. It's notable to think about what happened with what was happening vis-a-vis potential peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel and where things developed have developed since Hamas attacked on October 7th. So I, I would rate that half true. Biden has a point, but he doesn't give Trump the preliminary credit that is needed. Let's go to one more call this morning. Jay and Sterling on Hamas. Good morning, Jay. You're on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did um, indeed. I hope you did as well. What's up? Absolutely. Who is Hamas? Are they an organization of their own? They don't have their own country, though, right? Or, or who who so, who are they? So I'm trying to figure this out. So Gaza is uh, the the area where Hamas operates from. They are among the Palestinians. So the Palestinians live in a few different areas outside of uh, bordering Israel, including the Gaza Strip and including the West Bank. And Hamas is a terrorist organization within the confines of Gaza that are Palestinians. And they also have a political arm that was elected in, uh, what, 2005 or 2007 after Israel pulled out of Gaza. There ended their um, oversight and occupation of Gaza. And so Hamas consists of Palestinian Arabs who... Um, who are this kind of extremist terrorism. Um, I think that they estimate that there are some 30,000 Hamas members that are still yeah, there. But, but, do they, but do they have their own land of, of anywhere? Uh, yeah, my, I mean, Gaza, Gaza is <laughs> it's not considered a, a country, but it is an area that is overseen by Hamas, in essence. Um so okay. I okay. mean they, they don't have a country but question. they're they're there and it's, and really there are I think I think in Gaza there are like 3 million Palestinians that are there between Gaza and the West Bank you've got about 5 million Palestinians that live there but they don't have their so they do have their own government yes the Hamas does yes that that okay. was so That's in in 2005 Israel no. Israel provided in 2005 that they could have elections and they did and Hamas won so basically part of their strategy there was an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks back about how the Palestinians had this strategy of let's have a uh, a democratic, ostensibly democratic Hamas, and then you have the terrorist Hamas, and they try to keep some distance between them. Um, but oh. it's not, there's not real distance. But it's governing a territory. It's not a country. It's a, it's very it's not, small it, too. It's still not a country. It's just like a village, or it's a it's its it, own. It, well, it's multiple villages there, but it's it? it's a strip of land. It's a strip it's of a that's strip why they call land. it the Gaza Strip, and it isn't big. Let me see the size. Got to remember the size of the. Oh, there are only one hundred forty point nine square miles. So it's uh, uh it's quite so something. So they ain't got much. Yeah, and that's no. what their whole that's what their whole deal is is they want more land. Then yes, I the mean, eradication the Hamas and its Hamas and its founding charter calls for the eradication of Israel. And that, that's what it is, plain and simple. They want the eradication of Israel and they want to replace it with a so called Palestinian state. Thank so, you so much, sir. You're, you're a very knowledgeable man. You're Thank welcome, you. You Jay. Saw, I've been wondering. Have a good day. <laughs> well, there you go. Then, Appreciate it. Thank, hey. Thanks for listening, and uh, glad to be helpful to you on the program this morning. Yeah, uh, it is. It is interesting when you consider 
um, the the size, not just of the Gaza Strip, but Israel. I think Israel is like five, five and a half hours going north to south and like an hour and a half going east to west. That's that is that is small. And Colorado, you know, you you just you do a five hour drive going into, uh, you know, nearly five hour drive going to Grand Junction. So it's it's from Denver. You go north to south, it's a longer drive than going north to south in Israel. It is uh, quite something when you think about the size of the land that we are talking about, which is one of the reasons why there's such visceral conflict when you're talking about limited space and resources. So uh, there is a little bit about that um, as we begin to wrap up and wind down the program here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. One more thing that I want to wrap up on, just so you can get a sense for where the Democrats are at right now. I, I wanted to play this clip earlier. Democrat Representative Jamal Bowman explains why people of color are turning on Joe Biden. People of color have been turned off for a while because of lack of comprehensive immigration reform, if you're talking about the Latino community, and no conversation at all about reparations if you're talking about the black community. But we're sending hundreds of billions, spending hundreds of billions of dollars every year on weapons and war, but we can't even have a conversation about reparations? We can't even have a conversation about reparations, he says, and that's why Biden is losing support from Black Democrats, because they're not talking about reparations. It's just mind-blowing. Wanted to get that in there. Of course, that is the mentality that we are dealing with there among many on the far left. And it's just a given. Oh, we should not only have a conversation about reparations, but they should just be given because that's not happening. Well, that's why. Black and brown Democrats are turning on Biden. It's just nonsense. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Final segment up ahead. We'll check in with none other than the man himself, Peter Boyles, who's up from 9 to noon. Keep it right here. News Talk 710 KNUS. Ah, wrapping up and winding down. Not enough time for Joe Bonamassa with his cover of a classic blues Christmas tune called Lonesome Christmas. All throughout the week, I'll have a Christmas bumper when I fill in from 3 to 4, hosting the 3 to 4 slot here on 710 KNUS. Tune in then, and tune in next Saturday, same time, same place, for more engaging, intelligent talk, saying style, here on 710 KNUS. It is a cold one today, 15 degrees right now. Came into the studio earlier, and it was 13. It's not going to crack 24 today. Peter Boyles is here in studio for our final minute on the program. Good morning, Pete. How are you? You too. If it goes to 35, we're going to sell. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> the number of sex abuse uh, lawsuits that are being filed against powerful men, celebrities, and uh, is this, you and I were talking during the pause, is this really us, you and yeah. I as men? Uh, Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. Axel Rose, Cuban, Cuban uh, Gooding Jr., uh, Donald Trump, the list goes on, and Diddy, Sean, Sean uh, Puffy Combs, and all of this is happening now. And, and following Weinstein, I mean, Weinstein was when? couple years back so several what, now it wasn't what, like 2018 2019 that was the big spark spurring of the meat hashtag me too, me too that's movement. right so what do you do with all of this i mean mm. 
Uh, and why did why did these women wait? Is it because the law is going to expire in New York, but not nationwide? Hmm. Um, I don't know. And is it really who we are yeah. as guys? And or is oh. it just these very powerful guys? And, Interesting. And look what the people who have fallen from grace. Wow. We'll so. see. Peter Boyles, nine to noon. Thanks, brother. Thank Stay you. warm. All right, that is it for us today. Once again, tune in 3 to 4 all week for yours truly, Jimmy Sangenberger, and next Saturday morning from 6 until 9. Stay warm out there. Drive safely if you have to go out. And as always, may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.